1: Shack House is presented by Callaway Golf, the number one iron in golf. Their irons have a face built to change the game, to push the industry further and iron performance farther. If you're not playing an iron with Callaway's industry-leading 360 face cup technology, then you're playing inferior technology. You're losing out on distance, and who wants that? Of course, I could care less about gaining distance because it's ruining the
2: game house. Come on, Jeff Shackelford. What about those of us who need a little extra, a little extra juice? I have the apex. Blacks, I'm still getting used to the extra juice on them.
1: I need the extra. Ah, Roll the ball back. All right. Hey, this face belongs to number one iron in golf. It's a face built for distance for people like House Callaway, the number one iron in golf. Let's go to the Shack House. On today's Shack House, we are going to discuss all things PGA Championship at Baltus Roll, Going to do a little uh, banter on some wagers, some futures odds, or some odds. I guess some uh, fun little uh, little parlays and all. I don't know. House has got good stuff coming. Anyway, it's going to be a fun show. We're going to talk a little A.W. Tilling ass, And best of all, we have a very special guest today, Jim Nance of CBS Sports. We can't wait to talk to him. But House, first, let's kick around the PGA. How you doing? I'm awesome, Jeff. I am finally recovered after... A hot hot hot
2: weekend into an even hotter week here in the DMV I managed to squeeze in some golf at the end of last week uh, and into the weekend You know, I don't mind playing in the hot hot heat, but let's um, save some of that Discussion for the speed Mm. round because we have many important things to talk about with this PGA championship not the least of which includes my thoughts on a potential winner since I have established three for three winners in each of the three previous majors. Yeah
1: you have some pressure on you I uh, am thankfully don't have that pressure Um, now we we can't leave the weather though without discussing it a little bit and how it may impact your selection because it absolutely poured at Baltistrol on Monday And it's humid, and there are more storms in the forecast. It's not a pleasant forecast for somebody wanting to see a firm, fast golf course. Um, We had some interesting revelations from Phil Mickelson on how he views the golf course, which we'll kick around a little bit, I think. But are you factoring in this uh, kind of humid, miserable (laughs) weather uh, into your selection? I am, as
2: a matter of fact. It's not just... uh the heat and humidity, it's its the idea of wet rough also playing a role. I saw some mm. of the social media that Callaway was doing. This is a, a plug, but it's not really in, intended to be a plug. I just wanted that the, uh, somebody was dropping one of the coins into the rough, uh, and the, and the thing disappeared completely. It looked quite a bit like the rough at Oakmont, and if the thunderstorms yeah. roll in, the way that the forecasts are anticipating, and we, we kind of saw this at Oakmont. I mean, Oakmont, you know, was, was a washout there for a portion of uh, Thursday, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, you know, that, that mm-hmm. creates a lot of challenges um, around, I'm, I'm going to call it Balti, because I, I, you corrected me last week with Baltus Roll. Yeah, you're roll. struggling
1: a little with the pronunciation. I, I, yeah. Baltus Roll. Baltus, Baltus Roll. roll. Oh jeez! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with Balti. What's wrong Balty. with Balti? Balti yeah. at, at Go that with par seventy yeah.
2: with the with the par fours on the front, especially the lengthy par fours, and navigating the fairway bunkers that are the natural obstacles in this design. There's a real premium on guys that can hit the ball from 200 to 225. And a lot of my selections are going to be guys that um, are competent from that range and have demonstrated a strong performance from that range this season. But the weather, the humidity, the oppressive uh, uh, conditions, wet, rough, all of that factors in and I think does tend to favor two different types of players, bombers and... Ball strikers.
1: Well, in the history at Baltusrol, it it does show that uh, it's kind of had an oddball mix. But generally, you look at those leaderboards there, and they're all people who were were decent enough putters. Obviously, anybody who's playing in a major championship can putt decently, but they're they're all pretty great ball strikers. You know, somebody like a Steve Elkington did well there last time, and. Uh, so i think that's that's certainly a a, a fine strategy now um, do you want to reveal your big pick or do you want to pick away at some of these other names because there's some interesting prices i hate the pga in terms of uh, of odds because it's just such a tough one to, uh, to to prognosticate unlike the open championship or the masters where you can you can kind of whittle it down to certain people and look at form i mean we're we're not I mean, yeah, the Canadian Open is interesting, and and we certainly had a great finish there, and some some intriguing play by people we expect to see playing well there. But I, I think your angles are as good as any. So um, I don't know. Who do you want? You want to kick around some of these? Uh, Fun long shots? Sure, yeah. Now
2: you're not going to get me to make uh, a call on the pod. I'm going to uh, un- unleash my my thoughts on the Twitter oh, tomorrow. Well, I just need a little wow. more. I need a ne- an additional 24 hours of research. I'm not comfortable yet. Oh, I'm, so I'm the truth name comes names. out. We haven't
1: decided.
2: I'm going to name <laughs> names on the pod here, but my 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 picks, the way my capital is going to be allocated, I'll make that uh, all those selections tomorrow. Uh, early enough in the day so that everybody can, um, you know, pursue their interests in whatever manner they they need to pursue it. Um, I'll put them out on the Twitter with recommended, you know, uh, half unit, quarter unit, full unit. Plays And that, in fact, I did not mention Stenson when we talked about the the, the British Open, Um, but he was a guy that I um, found myself liking quite a bit after I finished up my research and had an idea of how the draw was going to look. Stenson made it onto my card uh, by way of the the Twitter uh, recommendations Wednesday morning. Of course, he didn't make it onto my card when I actually placed my wagers, but that is a regret for another day. So for this uh, tournament, I mentioned some bombers. And then one other thing that I'm going to um, slightly favor, I love the theme that we have so far this year With the, in the first three majors. Uh, each has been won by a first-time major winner. Now, that might yep. suggest that um, the trend is ready to be reversed and somebody um, that's won uh, and has the experience and has the chops is likely to win this one. I, I'm... I'm in a different frame of mind i like the idea of somebody that has not uh broken through yet finishing off making it a, a perfect 4 for 4 uh first time winners and uh there are some names of guys that have been hovering around um the, the 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 top and and a lot of guys yeah it's not a long list of guys you know um closest to to uh, winning a major what what's what's Kurt,
1: that stat lee and Lee Westwood and Sergio Garcia, definitely the, the, uh, the two leaders in the clubhouse in that category.
2: Right. And, then, and both of those guys are, are going to get a little look from me. I also have uh, Kucher on this list uh, of guys that I'm looking at in that category. Um, but I also have a, a handful of, of, of bombers. I'm looking at a guy like Tony Finau. I'm looking at a guy like J.B. Yeah. Holmes. Uh, I like I like yep. uh, both of those guys uh, have um, very good performances distance wise this year. Holmes in particular has been uh, f- f- very good performer in the majors and he's I'm my
1: pick this week house. Oh whoa how about that I'm seeing he's him my at 60 pick to, win to one the PGA JB Holmes. championship. I see him at yeah. 60 to one yeah, it's time. 60 to one he's been bet down from 80 to 1 60 to one. Uh, it's his time. I'm declaring it right now. Um, He's just playing great. He's playing awesome. He's got the karma thing going, uh, showed up in Scotland, had the horrible uh, luck with the clubs, and played beautifully in the Open Championship. It's his time. It's a perfect course for him. He's going to overpower it. Simple as that. I love it. Wow. So we have your pick. But Finau's a nice name choice, too, because the PGA was sort of his breakthrough event last year, and he's been heating up and, and showing good signs. So... Uh, an excellent name to uh, to throw out. Uh, yeah. I have uh Russell Knox uh on my on my list here of potential
2: uh, okay. long shot winners and and uh speaking of the hot hand I'm going to play Johnny Vegas. I'm definitely going to play Johnny Vegas.
1: Sure, why not? What's he at? Uh
2: I saw him at uh in the 50 to 60 range. I don't have it sitting in front of me okay. right here now.
1: Well, yeah. I'm going to throw three other names at you. Um, that I think are people worth considering at a at a nice uh, uh, price, and that would be Mark Leishman, who's played well in several majors. Um, Keegan Bradley, who's starting to show some signs of life at 125 to one, and Andy Sullivan at 125 to one, who's been playing beautifully, really the second half of the year, and is somebody who, again, you just feel like is uh, starting to to become an established player. And this is one of those weeks where somebody like that can can take off and uh, You know, Patrick Reed, again, is at 40-1. to He's been striking the ball very nicely. Uh, So somebody who I would definitely, if if you've got a pool, a little office pool, uh, definitely keep him in mind. Um, And, you know, there's the usual Bubbas and and Adam Scotts. And then, of course, we haven't discussed Phil Mickelson.
2: Well, we should discuss Phil Mickelson. His ball striking... uh two weeks ago, and I love that he took a week off in between, by the way, um, but the ball striking two weeks ago it was there for the world to yeah, Alex, see. He didn't
1: have a choice. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, it's a long year. He's got to take some time off. No, I was, I was um, happy
0: to see it. Good for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, his ball striking's incredible. He and Henrik, the sound off their, their club at the Open Championship was just amazing, and, and I think they're both If they're rested and recovered, it should be a great week for them.
2: Well, I thought the Um, story, uh, Mark Canzaro's story in the New York Post was fascinating. I loved um, what he shared in terms of the nuances and how in 2005, in his preparation for the PGA, um, he'd uh, gotten together with the pro, uh, who who was set to retire, and learned the course, learned some nuances. And the putting... uh, tips, especially how he was able to utilize those. I, it feels like a real advantage over the rest of the field. His ability to tap into um, that that memory from 2005, plus the form that he's in right now, ball striking. Yeah, Phil's going to get a little bit of capital this week. I can guarantee okay. it.
1: Okay, so here it's a yeah, it's a great piece. It's an "as told to" Mark Cannizzaro piece. And okay, but House to your point though about. Ball strikers, bombers, kind of the way the fairway bunkers sit at Baltusrol, and again, now we're factoring in this course is going to be pretty soft. But Phil made a point in there, I think that's that's kind of interesting. He's going to play it more conservative than he did last time, and and I don't quite. I would love to have him flesh this out more, but he he feels like laying back allows him to then be more aggressive into the greens. I don't I don't I, I think he feels like with his short irons. He, he can't attack as well or something, and so hitting a 7-iron, a which is now a long iron for Phil, you know, his 7-iron goes like 185. Um, I, I, it gives him some sort of a confidence or a mindset or something. I'm going to be fascinated to watch if this golf course now, having softened up, uh, forces him to abandon that philosophy that he outlined in the piece, which which uh, is really worth reading on a number of levels, because he also gets into some food stuff house. But on the strategic Point. Do you, do you Did you sense that when you read that? Did you kind of have the same thought I did that the uh, the the, fa- the conditions may change his uh, approach?
2: Actually, no. I thought um, it gave okay. me a, a real reassurance around the idea of you know um, putting in a, a little capital on on Phil mainly because of how thoughtful okay. it was and recognizing that he's a different person now than he was 11 years ago. His his strategy okay. yeah, and, I, and, his, I, and his approach I, yeah. to golf are, are different, and we watched him from 185, now different kind of conditions, but we watched him from 185 yards and even further back two weeks ago, and he was extraordinary from that distance with a 7-iron and 6-iron in his hand. That's how he conquered 10-11. Now 12, he, he requires a little bit of scrambling, but but you know, he he handled those excruciatingly difficult par fours at um, at Troon through his long irons, that the mid irons, the mid irons to long irons. And if that's you know what's gonna give him confidence here at Balti, I'm I'm all in. I like Phil this week.
1: Yeah, I do too. And I, I think that article would give anybody a lot of confidence reading that. I don't know the exact timing when he when he's made all those comments, but I'm pretty sure it was after the open. And so it didn't sound like he, he didn't you didn't get the the sense that this was somebody who is sort of uh, stuck on what happened at the open and not able to move on. He's moved on. This is a place he's won at. He he loves the pizza in the neighborhood. He loves the pro. Yeah, Joe's pizza. He loves pizza. the greens. Have you ever had Joe's? I have not had Joe's. Yeah, sounded it. It sounded great. There's a great sub shot shot there too. I don't I don't know what it's called, but uh, apparently it's quite outstanding. So um, anyway, but. He, he, You kind of go through all the things that he's thinking about in the week, and there's just like all these signs that he loves this neighborhood, loves the place, loves the club. And um, if he can kind of get past the open, I think it's going to be an awesome week. Uh, on that topic, House, you were out playing golf with some people, and you've been out at, at some golf courses, and I have too, and I've, I've been to my usual places where people want to talk golf, and people are still wanting to talk about that Open Championship. Did you did you uh, pick a little of that up when you oh, were out and about?
2: For sure, it was such an extraordinary performance. When I see friends, you know that that my my both my regular playing pals. And pals that I've been lucky over the last two, three weeks uh, of being able to connect with some old golf buddies that I haven't um, seen in a little while. But everybody's talking about that British Open finish because it was such a rarity of two guys um, head to head playing such extraordinary golf, you know, those truly transcendent moments, that back nine where uh, each and every swing, putt, was, was had the potential for for swinging the outcome of that major and two great stories you know Phil potentially winning his sixth major right um, versus mm-hmm. versus Stenson you know as a, an overdue um, you know proper champion um, yeah it was it was a, it was very it's it's still a hot topic um, among the, the the fans of golf
1: yeah the thing that I've picked up because I just kind of listen for what people are reacting to and what things struck a chord for them. And one of the things that, that has come up in several conversations that's really interesting about the importance of that performance by them, um, well, one, it was just inspirational to a lot of people, too, who, who play the game and know how hard golf is and know how hard Lynx golf is to see what they did and the way they performed and the way they did it with, with such class. Um, and... On such a grand stage. But the thing that kind of then comes up, there's this little wraparound comment, usually about Rory, maybe a little bit of Jordan, but their, their theatrics earlier in the week with regard to the Olympics. And I, it's kind of made me think that we're going to look back on that win, not only as just such an inspirational tournament to have watched and and to have been a part of and, and enjoyed seeing these people perform after a couple of majors that have been less than uh, feel-good stories, but I feel like we're going to look back. The people say, are going to say, well, they kind of saved the the game from from deep deep embarrassment that week by kind of getting the topic off of the Olympics and and these sort of younger guys who are expressing elements of of um, spoiled brattedness uh, <laughs> uh, or or at least uh, ungrateful. Uh, attitudes towards what they've they have been given as opportunities and so i've been i've just I, you know it's not anything definitive i just kind of hear that in the conversations it sort of wraps around to that and so that these kind of older guys sort of save the game at the moment from from something that could have spiraled into a lot of negativity about golf and there still is i mean if you get if you google rio and olympic golf there's still a lot of that but
2: yeah there's still three uh, weeks i, I mean that, there's plenty but, of opportunity th- for the
1: narrative to, yeah, re- yeah, yeah, to yeah. return there back be. to uh <laughs> you know the, oh, yeah. the, the skepticism well, and cynicism the, yeah at least the athletes village uh, is taking the uh, the heat off golf or whatever else people <laughs> want to complain about for a while since that's not functional but um Anyhow, I just, I just think it's a it's a, it's a nice thing. It's something we should continue to be grateful for and, and enjoy because uh, it's created a lot of great conversations and 19th holes and and uh, and we needed, I think, that in golf. We did have uh, people starting to kind of look down on on the game after some of those comments by, by oh, Michael Ryan. Boy, did he is he has he made some people mad? Wow. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he it was it was it was unfortunate and I know uh one of the guys on golf channel observed that that, that uh they think he, he will likely regret having said um that he won't watch the golf. Oh, yeah. He'll watch the track and field. That's something he'll regret for the rest of his life. Um Yeah. But you yeah. know, I, I uh i, I feel pulled in in two different directions around it on the one hand we want we 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 crave that candor rather than you know constant relentless media speak so and 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 rory has been um for a while pretty candid um as an as an interview subject uh about you know his his takes on a whole variety of things um so i'm not prepared to kill him for that uh, for being candid the sentiment obviously is is a tough one on the uh, you know, on the eve of the Olympics arriving and what a lot of folks went through to get uh, the Olympics onto the menu but we'll have plenty of time to um, yeah, yeah, yeah. continue to deconstruct all, all of that as the Olympics uh, arrive um, we still have some wagers to talk about I understand you took a look at
1: some props only one of them excites me. The two or more hole-in-ones at 4-1. Uh, to one. Uh, This is that time of year, House, when guys start just dialing in. Greens are soft. They're going to be hitting shots. They're going to be spinning back. Kerry Haig, who sets up the course for the PGA of America, he usually does uh, a couple of fun hole locations on the par threes. Um, so I'm loving that one. But that's about it that jumped out to me. But you, you had a couple you liked. Uh, Joel Beal, our, our, our friend at GolfDigest.com, posted some some prop bets. I think you picked up a couple there. You liked.
2: Yeah, I, I am going to bet the um, first-time major winner. It's an even-money wager, and really, it's just because I like the story. I, I like the idea of, of four mm. first-time major winners. We mentioned some of the names that I think I'm going to um, wager on. I just like you know it as a, as a narrative um, for this year, kind of putting a, a, a bow on this major season. Four guys that have never held um one of those great big heavy trophies over the head and the wanna my wanna maker I can't do and I can't do Wanamaker. wanna maker um yeah
1: boy you know we may have to, to ask Jim Nance to do a little pronunciation guide work with you here today <laughs> wow wanna maker Wanamaker, wanna maker
2: wanna maker yeah
1: that's the there biggest and go. the heaviest nice. right yes it is large yeah
2: look I mean it looks like a a, a Stanley Cup on steroids yeah, um, Yeah. I, I like the idea yeah. of, a, of a new guy uh, or, or a, a guy that's never held one of those kind of trophies up over his head. Another one I'm looking at: uh, winners' nationality. But it's
1: even money, right?
2: Which one is
1: even uh, the the f- uh, first time major yeah. winner? Yeah, even winning. money. That's fine. Main ma- major winner. Yeah, Does that gets you Oh, okay.
2: I'm okay with it.
1: I'm we trying to deliver some value to people. No, here no, house. this one's
2: not a value pick. That's what I'm saying. This one's with the that one's with the heart, okay, okay. not with the head.
1: Um, okay, that's a heart from the heart. Gambling I, from the heart. It's touching.
2: <laughs> right. You, you just have to be prepared to lose all your money, and I am prepared to lose all my money. Right. Uh, <laughs> the winner's well, nationality. Uh, I'm going with the USA here. It's an, another even money bet. Um, Balti mm. has hosted 16 uh, major events o- over the years, um, you know, uh, both U- USAM kind of majors as well as uh, four US Opens and some other uh, significant um, events. Uh, the winner has been of US origin all the way back to 1903. So uh, I think that that was mm. the stat in nice. in Joel's article. Uh, so I, I kind of like uh, the feel of that, and all of my. First time guys, um, you know we're on this JB Holmes, we're on this Fina, we're on this Cooch. I'm not ready to put Sergio in. I'm going to put a little taste on Sergio. I do like, by the way, uh, when you were going through, I like Patrick Reed also on that list. You mentioned Mark Leishman. I really like yep. Mark Leishman this week. He's going to get a, a little bit of my capital. He's another guy that shows up uh, quite favorably on that 200 to 225 um, range list. Um, but I'm going to do I, – I, Sergio and, and Leishman are not of U.S. origin. Leishman has nine to four odds no. as a top Australian. That might be worth some, a way to <laughs> yeah. hedge um, Definitely the U.S. S.A. bet, um, but those are the those are two props I'm taking a look at. I'm also going to look at a score prop. I haven't yet um, found one with odds that I yeah. like, but I, I'm, I'm going to try and see. I, it feels like the score this week fills four under, feels like kind of a, a, a natural number, but uh, no, no. We, we, we don't know. You, you're saying no. What do you here, like?
1: Here, we went through this at Oakmont. You'll recall on Twitter we had a couple of, of great listeners ask about the over-under on the winning score. And as soon as the golf course got soft, you know where I went. I said it's going to be it's going to be low. So take the uh, take the I guess it would be the under. Yeah, um, it would be the under. I, and let's say they set uh, or uh, what is it? What is an over under when it's a negative? Let's say it's six under par.
2: No, they just say two
1: eighty. They would set here, it to two
2: eighty or something like that. So so yeah, if four four right. is two seventy six, they would set it at two seventy six yeah, and a half or yeah. two seventy five and a half. The golf course,
1: the golf course is going to be soft. And it just it's in great shape from what I hear. Anytime you give these guys uh, great conditioning and soft conditions, I don't care how difficult the rough is. Um, if there's not a whole lot of wind, which there will be a little bit if the uh, thunderstorm forecast uh, comes into play there will be some some stormy stuff but I just I just know that when you give these players soft conditions, they are um, they're just so they're, they're so good. they are so precise. And and this time of year, house they're all dialed in. The, the weather is warm. They're feeling good. They're they're in a you know a place that was pretty easy to get to. All the vibes are really good. And the PGA just always tends to have good scoring because of that, even with tough golf course setups. So I don't feel like uh, f- uh, four under is gonna gonna do it. I feel like it's gonna be something in the ten under range from from everything I've heard about the conditions at Baltusrol already.
2: Wow. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna yeah. look up the number. I want to see what the number is now that we're talking about it. Um, but okay. but th- those are those are the props that I have in mind. I'll do some of my uh, make the cut. You know, six way and seven way parlay um, uh, approaches as well. There's a bunch of guys with good streaks on making the cut uh, at majors. Kuchar's on one of those good streaks. I know. I keep mentioning him. Um, but I'll, I'm going to put lump together a bunch of guys and then put a couple longer-odd guys on there so that I get a decent return on a make-the-cut bet or two.
1: Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, House, to uh, shift gears a little bit here, we're going to hear a lot about A.W. Tillyass this week, and I uh, felt like we should just, just discuss him a little bit because he's uh, one of my favorite architects and characters in the game. And you'll hear him talked about ad nauseum, and his name kind of sounds aristocratic. And uh, am I right? Is that kind of your impression of him? Well, that's
2: you know he's uh, in that category of classic course designers, and he's designed a bunch of places that are private and and not easily uh, accessible to regular folks uh, on a regular salary like me. Um, so it does t- he does take on some of that um, rarefied, dignified. Air, um, but yeah. I understand maybe that's not the whole story.
1: Well, yeah, no, uh, it's not. I mean, he he did. He uh, he 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 is a man of means, or was uh, for a while, and then he lost it all. But I I pulled out Frank Hanigan's forward to. Uh, there are three books on A.W. Tillinghast or by Tillinghast that uh, of course Tillinghast knows nothing about but they were done after he died but they're collections of his essays and Hannigan wrote the forward to one of them he wrote a definitive piece house in 1974 on Tillinghast that uh, at the time believe it or not there were three Tilly Courses hosting USGA events, and nobody even knew who he was. That's, and that's just not that long ago. So Hannigan kind of brought him to life and let everybody know who he is. So then I, I just thought I'd read a couple of highlights from this forward just uh, to give you a little bit of idea. He was born in Philadelphia, 1874, the only uh, spoiled child of a, of a prosperous but not quite wealthy family, enjoyed a, a dissolute youth. Uh, Marked by school expulsions, athletics, and drinking to excess. Oh, Uh, Got totally hooked on golf in the 1890s when the game was but a seedling in this country. Made annual pilgrimages to the Holy Land in Scotland where he took lessons, both mechanical and spiritual, from old Tom Morris, one of the game's icons. And he also took, by the way, an amazing photograph of, of old Tom. So he was a great photographer besides being a great writer. Uh, let's see, what else? Staved off, gainful full employment until age 32 when he laid out a course for rich friends on their farm at Shawnee on the Delaware. It was an instant success. He went full bore into design after that. Uh, so then for about 20 years, he just built this um, uh, incredible business, Baltusrol being, I think, really the true breakthrough. Because this was an established place that uh, he he redesigned and built two courses at and uh, at the same time he was doing Wingfoot, which looks totally different one of the great traits of him uh let's see what else um uh, for uh, 20 years until the bottom fell out in the uh, 1930s he designed from scratch about 60 courses re- not, remodeled and uh, expanded on an equal number uh, because of his skills and social connections uh, he grabbed more than a share of plus jobs uh, left behind a dozen or so in the works. Uh, but, of course, Wingfoot, San Francisco Golf Club, Bethpage, Baltimore Country Club, Somerset Hills, uh, Ridgewood, which has hosted the FedEx Cup. Great list of, of courses. Um, he made a lot of money designing building courses uh, until the Depression. Uh, he continued to drink heavily, according to Frank, uh, did stringer work for the PGA of America to keep his head above water. They sent him around the country house to uh, to, to consult courses on how to Make their courses more playable during the depression. Uh, he had an incredible mansion in Harrington Park, New Jersey. By the way, also funded a Broadway uh, play, which might explain where some of the money problems started. But uh, he and his wife moved to California. Now, house this is this is this is where the movie gets kind of depressing. But he moved to, to Beverly Hills and opened an antique shop, and. Um, and basically sold a lot of his own stuff there, tried to do some design work out here with Billy Bell, and then uh, died of a heart attack in 19, um, oh, excuse me, in 1942. He ended up moving to Toledo and then died of a second heart attack there. So he ended kind of in a sad way and then was forgotten for about 32 years. And um, So you'll hear all this. I just like pointing all that out because uh, in between all of that, he was just this amazing promoter of the game, wrote all these fascinating articles, had a great eye for talent. he saw Bobby Jones at 13 and declared he was going to be one of the next great players and photographed, wrote wrote these two uh, uh, little uh, short novels and uh, and I just I, I like pointing it out because uh, I think when people think back of to golf and the old characters in the game and, and correct me if I'm wrong house but they kind of think they're old uh, stiff uh, upper lip, Boring, a um, lot of tweed, and 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 Tilling Ass was really kind of the life of the party. He was a uh, just a cool. He would have been all over social media. He would have been snapchatting this week. Um, he would have been having a great time over at the at the Wanamaker uh, Club, I think they call it, and and having a good old time celebrating his his work. And uh, so I just, I think it's fun to know that there is a, a real soul and a spirit behind some of these people who design the courses. And sometimes we we forget that when we just hear their names uh, mentioned on the telecast.
2: Yeah, I had him uh, in the former category, which was, you know, the stiff upper lip tweed. So I liked uh, I, I like when you put it on the, <laughs> the idea of, of of talking a little bit about his background when we were preparing for today. So yeah, let's hear a little bit about it because, um, you know, that... The character of uh, Tillinghast really does come through in some of his, de- his designs. I have been lucky enough to play a couple of them. I've been out to uh, Baltimore Country Club. Um, I, I, I believe that Bedford Springs, which was restored in, in Pennsylvania, was originally uh, one of his designs. And some of the devilish um, shapes of the greens and the size of the greens are, are, are were so interesting uh, to me, sort of architecturally. Um, but I, I, I like um, hearing some of that, that character and you can see it come through in the in the designs when you think about him in that context
1: yeah and the last thing I'd say about him that, that makes him so different you know we have architects today who they just kind of have cranked out a lot of the, st- the same things over and over again and he did have a couple of things he was really into like you'll see the big uh big bunker complex on the 17th hole at Baltusrol in the middle of the fairway it's a homage to hell's half acre at pine valley and he did that at several courses and he did a few things like that but he never forced certain set ideas on a a landscape every course he treated differently and you know like a great filmmaker he took the script which was the land and then uh, adapted the ideas that he thought were important for golf to it as best as he could and and that's why he's revered as a great architect and why certain architects are looked at with sort of disdain because people recognize that i think they recognize even if they aren't close followers of course design they recognize when somebody just forces their ideas and kind of mails it in and just does their their usual stick. Uh, shtick and uh so i think that's what makes him uh, such a such a classic character amongst the, all the great old figures of early american golf have you seen what callaway is bringing out for the pga championship house have you oh, seen it the tour bags oh yeah i love them yeah, they're beautiful. They do the uh, they do the club colors usually are the major championship colors. Anyway, this week at the PGA Championship, they've got new bags, head covers, and of course those really cool collectible coins for this final major of the year. And they'll definitely get your attention when you see them. Now, there's this cool story behind them too. The colors all pay tribute besides to Baltusrol. They focus on that iconic logo with the wings and the red ball in the middle. One of the coolest logos in golf. House, you know the logo, right? You've seen I- it around your area. I I know the logo I'm, I'm waiting on one of those coins to show up in my mailbox And, hey, how about, don't forget that Clubhouse's legendary green and white awnings, which I'm not a big awning guy, but those awnings really work. Uh, They rung along uh, the top of it, and uh, they'll be kind of an iconic presence this week at the PGA, so you'll be seeing Callaway staffers with the bag sporting all these little homages all weekend on the coverage, and in fact, you can even win one of the bags, head covers, or coins for your own collection starting Wednesday. They'll be giving away a few each on social media, so follow along on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Callaway Golf to see how you can win. And of course, Team Callaway will be at Baltusrol all this week, capturing awesome content with their staff pros in their tour truck, which is some of the best stuff you'll see. Uh, and on the grounds at the PGA Championship, you can follow all of it at callawaygolf.com. AJ and hashtag Chad will be all over it, I'm sure house night after night two people lay in the same bed but when it comes time to buying a new mattress only one of them gets their way you being a married person you would know about this i'm sure but until now that is changing We are introducing Helix Sleep, where you can buy your mattress online, which you already know, but you can get it customized for both of you for hundreds of dollars instead of thousands. So go to helixsleep.com, answer a few simple questions based on four key preferences, and the result will be a custom sleep profile used to build you the most comfortable mattress you'll ever sleep on. It'll arrive at your door in about a week, shipping's included, 100% free. Uh, For all you couples out there, Helix customizes each side. You can personalize it to suit each of your bodies and the way you both sleep. Uh, Their customers report a 30% improvement in overall sleep quality. And the best part, you have 100 nights to try it out, discuss it, debate it, argue about it, whatever you want to do, because if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and you get you a nice 100% refund, no questions asked. But uh, they're pretty confident that's not going to be the case. And from what I'm hearing, uh, that will not be the case. Helix is making great stuff. That's why everyone from GQ to Forbes, they're talking about Helix. So just go to helix.com slash house and get $50 off your order. That's helixsleep.com slash house, helixsleep.com slash house. And now, our interview with the great Jim Nance of CBS Sports. Jim Nance, welcome to Shack House. Thank you for joining us from Baltusrol and in, in uh, sweltering New Jersey.
3: <laughs> it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, Jeff. And it's good to be back at Baltus I've got a lot of memories here from 05 and the PGA. And... From the many years I lived in New Jersey as a kid, uh, I worked for a golf professional named Tony Bruno, and he played in some events up here. He used to caddy for Tony when I was a kid, and all the state opens and other various big events. And and then later, uh, I would come here and play uh, when I lived in Connecticut. So I feel very familiar with the grounds of Baltusrol, and I'm looking forward to presenting the tournament.
1: And uh, and I'm going to introduce you to my co-host Joe House, big fan House. Hey Jim Nance. Hey Jim,
3: great to meet What's you. What's up, Joe? <laughs> it's awesome yeah, to meet you. Yeah. So maybe look, maybe this will be the first of uh, several. We'll have to do this. Um, you know, if I pass the test here, maybe we can do it again sometime.
2: <laughs> well, we we had Mike Tarico on a couple of weeks ago, so the bar's pretty high. Did. But you know, um, yeah, no question. So, so look, we're we're on the eve of the last major of the season. Glory's last shot. Uh, we don't and, say that anymore, oh Joe,
3: no, Joe. Oh, that's, no. that's gone. They, they got rid of that. That's oh, no. Um, there is no more Glory's last shot. No, that's it.
2: It's over. <laughs> well, look, with the, the major season kicked off as we were entering uh, and approaching the Masters. We had this narrative about the big three, and as the, the majors have played out, the story instead has been about extraordinary play from veterans, um, not just a couple guys that were um, you know, ready and due to, to win a major, but excellent play from names like Westwood and Furick and Mickelson and Stricker. What do you think uh, about this week? What are you anticipating? Are, will, the, will the big three finally break through?
3: I think there's a strong chance they'll be right in the mix. I really do I think we're due for it. And this championship, as uh, much as some people want to be uh, naysayers, not naysayers, but, you know, I saw a recent column that tried to take away some of the prestige of the PGA championship. If you look at the track record and you look at the quality of the player and the quality of the championships, uh, the finishes, it's been a really great run here for the PGA. So I think we've all been waiting with great anticipation to see Jordan, Jason, and Rory get into the mix, And you know, to get all three, we may be asking for a lot. To get a couple of them right there, I kind of think it's going to happen. To me, though, House, the, the the theme to the year to me has been the fact we've got three first-time winners in the mm. majors, and it's a good thing. You know, you know, last year we had the theme of the new young brigade. Even with Zach, of course, not being a member of the young brigade, not not trying to kill Zach here, but when he won the Open, it didn't quite fit in the overall full story of the year in major championships as the young brigade, but that's kind of what last year was, is the defining story of major championship golf. This year, it's been, you know, first-time winners, and, you know, maybe that's the direction we're, we're headed here. Maybe this is Sergio's time, or maybe Lee Westwood comes up with a big performance, or Ricky Fowler, you know. Um, we'll see, but I, I, I do think that we're going to hear from from those three that I don't any longer go with the big three theme. Mm. Even though if you went back and looked at the tape last year, you would hear us talking on the air on the 72nd hole, really the first to ever go out there and talk about the big three. Because Jason you know, wasn't a member of any kind of grouping till he won at Whistling Straits. And as they were coming up 18, Jason and Jordan, that's when Nick and I first were the ones to pounce on the big three. That became the defining kind of angle of golf um but you know with with what Dustin's done this year i i, I don't think we're ever going to really fall back to the big 3 again and you've got to have him in the, in in the circle you got to have him on the on the on on the on the top rung you know with with the best in the game
1: uh, Jim, you're a big fan of the Open Championship, and and speaking about those first time winners, uh, I didn't. I, I know you like to go uh, as often as you can to the Open just as a fan. Um, did you uh, watch this year? I assume you did watch pretty closely, and and have any reaction to that epic finish and where that sits in the uh, kind of list of great majors we've seen? And, and uh, I mean, you've you've been at this thirty years now with CBS. Uh, and obviously that was a, not a CBS telecast, but I, I know you love that event.
3: I love the event. I didn't go this year. Young kids, we, uh, we stayed back home in California, but watched every minute of it, superbly brought back home to us by uh, the NBC broadcast team. And, uh, of course, Sunday, the back and forth between Henrik and Phil it was just amazing to watch. Now, how does it rank? Well uh, I know Jack Nicholas has said it was better than the duel in the sun. I don't know the thing it missed here to me, even though you had drama on the seventy second green with Stenson making the putt for sixty three and 20 under par it did not have the suspenseful finish so you you lose a little bit something there. You needed a gripping finish for it to be if, if in terms of just an epic duel a great battle to the end. you know when Henrik made the putt on 14. Or fifteen from from fifty feet away, uh, you pretty much knew at that point mm. that it looked pretty much like it was going to be his uh, his open. But it was you know I'm not trying to water it down, dilute the greatness of it because it was awesome to watch, and uh, and I loved every minute of it. I know it had to be gutting for, for Phil to 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 play a bogey free final round of sixty five and and not win, but he should be feeling pretty good about. Uh, and how he yelled up there and how, how beautifully he played and, and 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 just coming on the heels of that now 11 days after pulling out at Troon to have the first round of competition here I right, I would think he has a strong chance this week Hey Jim and Stenson by the way I was just in the company of uh, of my man my Booth mate, Mr. Faldo, and he was saying, might be a little harder for Stenson. 11 days later because mm. you're spending that time um, hopscotching around, doing some things around Europe, which he knew of, some charity things, going back uh, back home to Sweden and everything else. Uh, but also, on top of it, just the responding, just all the correspondence, phone calls, texts. Mm. You know, your mind has been, you know, it's kind of, it's has been a little out of body for him probably for a good week. And now he's got to come back and lock in on that focus. And maybe that's not quite the same for Phil after being the runner-up there. Maybe it's a, in terms of the two coming into Baltimore. Maybe it's a little more favorable for Phil not having to had what what Henson, uh, Stenson did the last 11 days.
2: Yeah, we both said nice things about uh, Phil um, in, in our uh contemplation and prognostication around uh, who might do well this week. I, I want to ask you a question in a slightly different direction. The rules of golf and the role of TV, and especially TV review, uh, have been an interesting topic over the past six weeks or so. And you have your own experience um, with the uh, Tigers drop on 15 in the, in the 2013 Masters. Uh, what do you think is the right relationship between T V replay and the way the rules of golf are, are applied and enforced?
3: Well, even a bigger one, Joe, really. Let's go back to let's go back to Whistling Straits in twenty ten mm. in the seventy second hole. Sure. That was actually a hole that I was broadcasting from. That was all happening under our watch, so to speak, from the eighteenth hour. When when Tiger had uh, situation at Augusta in in 2013. That was on the 15th hole. It was David Faraday's so hole. I wasn't announcing there, but but uh, no. Your your point here is what about TV's role? Well, you know, we're, we didn't ask for it. You know, it's not like all of a sudden we said, "Hey, it'd be fun if we got all this technology and all this innovation, and now we could be the rules makers of the game." You know, I I don't quite know what people expect us to do except for providing every piece of evidence to broadcast a tournament with uh, you know with, with, with the best uh, uh, ability to show the story to tell the story all the information all the visual information that we have um, you wouldn't I don't think anyone would want us to be in any other position in other words which uh, would, would, would people rather us like oh and one of our videotape operators says, hey, I think the guy grounded his club. Do you want me to show it? No, 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 no. We've got to embargo that. Don't show that. We don't want to get in the middle of this. I mean, it's kind of unwittingly we can't help but be in the middle of this. Again, it's not something we signed up for. We're just here to right. document. Something happens out on that golf course while we're on the air. We need to show people what we see. And it's as simple as that. And and it's, it's a really, it's a bigger question, Joe, for you know how do... The, the the organizations, the governing bodies of golf, how do they want to integrate television into it? They're not running the cameras. They're not running the videotape machines. But but what do they expect us to do? You know, They expect us to provide an accurate portrayal of what's happening at their golf tournaments. And we try to do that to the best of our abilities.
1: Jim, you do a lot of sports and juggle a lot of uh, uh, different uh, rules and things to deal with. Uh, would you say that 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 replay in golf is probably the one sport where it's it's uh, added an element that has not improved the game uh, and has maybe even and put players in an awkward position? It feels like replay it works pretty well for the most part in every other sport you do, um, but golf.
3: I don't know about that, Chuck. No? Honestly, <laughs> no. In the NFL, uh, they're still trying to define what is a catch. Hmm. And, and you don't live the NFL life as much as I do. I mean, I, I don't think you do. But, no, because um, you know, <laughs> I know, you know, I read you every day, so I know how immersed you are in, in in this world. But you know, if you if you got a group of coaches in a room and try to talk to them about replay in the NFL. And uh then you started to take situations like the Des Bryant catch no catch in a divisional playoff game a year ago up in Green Bay that ultimately you know knocked out the Cowboys out of the playoff chase and chance for a possible run to a championship. Who knows they were twelve and fourteen that year. There is still tremendous controversy out there about the rules and how replay fits into it and people's interpretation of what they're seeing now. You know, I, I get it. It really hits close to home to you, um, You know, especially after what we just had with Dustin at Oakmont and then what happened at the Women's Open. Um, but I, I don't know what people want. I mean, the, the bottom line is it's not going to go away. You know, we have the technology, the innovation to see things that 20, 30, 40 years ago, great broadcasters were not able to see or present. It's not going to come back. You can't dial it back. You know, you can't go away from the high-speed cameras. You can't go away from all the cameras that are now positioned on a golf course and bunkers. You know, by the side of a creek. You know, there's just there's just there's just so much out there now. The volumes of technology. It is. It's the world we live in, and as even though at times it creates a very unhappy, uh, 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 a, a controversial uh, view of it. It's 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 in the end. It's it's the world we live in. And we just got to figure out how to, you know, like you, you take what happened with the USGA at Oakmont, you know, I think hopefully some people learn some valuable lessons from that, how to handle that better the next time when you're on the last nine holes of a major championship.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Mike Tarico, a couple of weeks ago when we discussed this with him said maybe we're at the point where it makes sense to have a full-time rules official sitting in, you know, kind of a, a booth working hand-in-hand with the broadcast team just so that um, the, the rules, the officiating body um, is in a position to, to, to move a little bit uh, more quickly. What, what do you think about an idea like that?
3: I think in some ways it's already kind of the framework is there for that. I, I worked for for several years on the BBC as the American voice on the Open Championship. And uh the BBC uh, had, had uh, one of their top rules guys watching the broadcast and you know uh he he would he would get involved in when called upon, and of course, you know what we've seen through the years, you know, going back to, to to the great Frank Hannigan. But you know, even to this day, you know, we have on our team we have Mike Holbert, who, who was a three time winner on the PGA Tour, and, and even though he's not directly a member of the PGA Tour rules staff, he knows the rules as well as anyone I've ever known. Tom Loss, a, a long decorated USGA rules official, has worked for CBS on and off at events for years and does a fabulous job we have the manpower behind the scenes. Now, they can't see everything. No one can. You know, when you have 50, 60 cameras in an event like this, it's impossible, as much as you might try, to watch 30 guys hitting a golf ball at the same time. It's impossible to get an accurate read over 50 or 60 monitors at one time. You you know, if that's the goal, then maybe you need 50 or 60 rules officials that are in a back room watching all the outputs from these cameras. But I don't think it's as broken as you think it is, and I mean, I think it gives us something to talk about. You know, my, my biggest takeaway from Oakmont is how in the world Dustin Johnson held up hmm. mentally. talent and to get him credential as a major champion he plays a lot of tournament golf he plays he on a lot of regular tour events to be able to say you have dustin johnson in your field now as a major winner is significantly different than marketing a tournament that has dustin johnson in your field non-major winner yeah. so uh it's just uh you know of all the things that have happened so far this year nothing against danny willett Henrik stenson Jason winning a couple world golf championships and a players event. I mean, all those are fantastic, fantastic uh, 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 accomplishments for them. But for the good of the game and growing the game and creating interest in the game, there is a magnetism about this guy. And to have him as a major winner now, it's a big deal. And I'm very excited about it.
1: Uh, no question and and he uh, certainly a favorite this week Um, Jim I think we have to while we have you here ask you you know you've been at this 30 years now you you touched on this in um, your comments about uh, the rules and and replay but uh, you've been doing golf for 30 years and yet you still you're juggling with other sports I'm I'm fascinated by a couple things but namely how do you uh, prepare for a golf broadcast and also uh, while you're trying to obviously now you're at the time of year where you're starting to watch nfl training camps um and then as we know before the masters you're 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 juggling college basketball i'm i'm curious about two things how do you juggle the, the preparation and and how do you find the time to do it and then also does your approach and your tone and your style have to change with those sports uh in a significant way
3: well, those are good questions, Jeff. But I'll just say this: I really, all year long, pay attention to the three sports that Sean McManus and CBS entrust me with. That would be college basketball. This is no particular order here. The NFL and and, and golf on a worldwide basis. And, and that now, I'm 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 really uh, uh, passionate about all three of them. And it may be November and nothing really exciting is happening in the world of golf but there's going to be certain things i'm going to check in on every day to make sure i'm not missing anything in that sport And that includes your blog well thank you and that same thing goes though for the other sports and no one has ever thought i'm not prepared i'll we'll put it this way i mean i don't have a note in front of me when i'm calling a golf tournament really i call it right from i like to say a call from my heart because i care so much about this sport uh you know, I have good recall. I can remember yeah, you do. I can remember dates and <laughs> names and victories. And I'm not, I'm not a big stats guy, hmm. but I can remember the stories about these subjects I'm covering and what makes them special, what makes them unique. And it's easy for me to read something and retain it. Uh, you said, like, take this week, for example, NFL training camps are opening. Yeah, I'm going to have um, probably 30 minutes today. I'm going to get a, a view of the 32 teams in the league, and I'll see what the headlines are on each of the cases for all the 32 teams around the league. But I'm not really worried about it right now. It's, uh, we're too far away from opening day. I'm in I'm a major championship. yeah, and, and, and I mean, I live for these two majors. To open up the major championship series with Augusta, please, it's the thrill of my life my career. And then I got the PGA championship. Uh, I love having the bookends on the two majors. When I'm not broadcasting uh, the U.S. Open or the Open Championship, and I have, as I mentioned, I have done here and there some spot commentary over uh, in the U.K. I'm watching every single shot. I don't miss a shot, and I'm doing that not because it's mandatory, it's required viewing. It's I do it because I'm a golf fan. I care about the sport. What's happening at the you know at the with the highest stakes what's happening with these players and what's going on with this game that I care so much about I love the game so uh, it's a great thing when there's this intersection of, of something that you really care deeply about like I do for golf and at the same time I get to live a life of trying to document and follow it and tell the stories that surround that sport I count my blessings every day that I have the chance to do that it's not hard it's truly it's not it, it's, it's just not manual labor Keeping up with with three primary sports. Uh, what that means is I don't keep up with you know Major League Baseball. I'm not concerned about stats and standings and things like that, and who mm-hmm. has the RBI lead in the American <laughs> League. I don't concern myself with what's going on in the NBA during free agency. I'll see it, but I don't worry about it. And um, you know, I just I really pay attention to what's going on with those three: college basketball, the world of golf, and the NFL.
2: Hey Jim, earlier this year, uh, before Super Bowl Fifty, you gave yep. an interview to Sports Illustrated, and you described your first Super Bowl call. It was uh, the game between Indian Hester. And, yes, Devin Hester exactly. And
3: opening kickoff, ninety-two and, yards for a touchdown. Right, yeah.
2: and you said it's probably the favorite call of your career, which is is really saying something considering some of the well,
3: I'm glad you asked me this, because I just had another person ask me about a call. i got to tell you, I think that talking about calls has become a creation of the mm-hmm. written press who don't really understand what we do as broadcasters. Sure. Like, I'm, I'm going to be broadcasting this weekend. Uh, well, we're scheduled for 10 hours, and it'll probably be a little bit more than that. It, should I basically just show up Sunday at 6.58, worry about putting together some memorable five-second call when the last putt is hold? Or do I define the success of our broadcast and my participation in that broadcast by how we manage the 10 hours that we're on the air with the storytelling? I mean, to me, it's about storytelling. It's not about just being able to sync up uh, a winning moment or a big moment with just the perfect little succinct narration. Sure, we all strive to do that, but it's important. I don't mean to minimize it, but sometimes I think people really think that's all our business is. Hey, how was that call at the end? Uh, how was that call over that, over that 80-foot putt? Uh, and I think, man, you guys don't really understand our business. You've minimized what we do down to five seconds? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, like, I think back of the legendary broadcasters of my youth, and if I said to you, what was Pat Summerall's most famous call? I mean, I learned under Pat Summerall out here for 10 years on golf. I couldn't tell you one. And that certainly is a knock on Pat Summerall. That doesn't mean he wasn't a legendary golf anchor. He was the best. You know, CBS, he was just, he was everything here. The NFL, what was his most famous NFL call as people want to, like, try to talk the language with me today? Yeah. They, they don't get it. They don't understand our business. Our business isn't about a claw. What was Jim McKay's greatest call? Now, you know, I held him in the highest esteem, and I always will. And he didn't do mainstream sports, but he did golf. What was his most famous call? Can you remember?
1: I think he's so most famous for the opening of Live World of Sports.
3: This, <laughs> this, this, this craziness now that's Twitter-driven or whatever, but... People masquerading thinking they know our business and like, oh, tell me about this call. To me, that's not important. Mm. I mean, it is important, but it certainly doesn't define what Jack Whitaker's career was. I mean, no way. Um, You know, Dick Enberg's Hall of Fame career, as decorated as anybody of all time, same thing. But we're in this era now where this is picking up steam and people want to talk to me on my level about our business. And they don't understand that, you know. I got a lot of other things to worry about. How are we getting on the air? How are we going to write the opening to getting on the air? But I mean, I pour over that. Yeah. Those those montages we open up these broadcasts with. I mean, that that is, you know that that's something to me that's real the real challenge and the real sweet spots in this business. When Jim McKay would do an opening tease from any one of the majors that he <laughs> covered, yep. I would record them on audio cassette tapes. Yeah. To me, that measured you know, what his ability was as a as a commentator to tell a story, to, to write poetry, to recite it in a way that was riveting, spellbounding, spellbounding the way that, you know, he could turn a phrase, uh, you know, at any point during the show, not necessarily just capture the end of it. So I do remember that interview. Yeah, that was going into the Super Bowl, and I think what I meant by that was that that one really was personal because I had met with Jack Whitaker before I called my first Super Bowl, and he told me to be ready for the opening kickoff. And, and, and he had had an incident in the first Super Bowl, Super Bowl One, where the second half kickoff was was a, a do-over, a mulligan, and he, uh, he he didn't know how to explain to his audience. But his technology then they didn't have the referees' mic. And the bizarre thing is is that CBS and NBC were both broadcasting Super Bowl One, And NBC, as it turns out, was not back from commercial for the second-half kickoff. So the officials somehow got word, and there was a no-play. There was a mulligan. The CBS audience saw it. The NBC audience didn't see it. So they did it over. So Jack said that's the one thing he always regretted from calling Super Bowl One was He wasn't, wasn't ready for that, you know, how to explain to his audience this bizarre do-over. So he said, my advice to you, just be ready for the opening kickoff. And that, you know, like, he could have told me anything, and I would have done it. So I can just remember that opening kickoff. I I I was just thinking, Jack Whitaker, Jack Whitaker, Jack Whitaker. Sure enough, it lands in the hands of Devin Hester at the eight-yard line, and he weaves through, uh, uh, you know, a lot of heavy traffic early, right through the Colts, races 92 yards for the only, still to this day, the only opening kick return for a touchdown opening. In Super Bowl history, and I got to call it, and I got to think of that advice and and, uh, Jack Whitaker every step of the way. So that's why it was satisfying to me.
1: Jim, uh, we know you have to go pretty soon, but I got to ask you a couple, two, few quick things here. Now, first of all, you got me going thinking of jim mckay and those openings because we talked about that with mike tarico actually and I, I do you when you hear the barry white's love unlimited love orchestra doesn't it so just you just start yeah. thinking of jim mckay those openings I, I mean when they show the replay on golf channel they're just you, you get goosebumps they're 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 and then that music which is the oddest yeah. combination ever it's so 70s but it i
3: don't it just I know, says it championship me, golf you know. I can still, and by the way, I, I, I love it when you sometimes post some of the old golf broadcasts. Yeah. You know, I, I'm definitely one of those, when you, you go back and look at YouTube, how many people watch, I'm definitely one of those clicks. In fact, I know tonight one thing I want to do is uh, I have uh, I have a copy, thanks to Tommy Spencer, who uh, is my running mate yeah. here on research and all that. You know, Tommy, and sure. he dug up the 1980. Uh, final round of Baltistrol oh, here. Oh wow! So I'm going to have a very low key night tonight, and I'm going to I'm going to tee up the 1980 nice. uh, U.S. Open here. I still remember watching it. Vividly remember watching Jack and Aseo Aoki and the whole thing. And I'll be listening to Jim McKay and that whole fabulous crew back then, and uh, listening and hanging on um, every word that uh, was uttered by 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 him and and, and Dave Marr and. The rest of that crew—it was yeah. very special times and left a huge impression on me. I was, you know, I was living down uh, south of here at the time in a little town called Colts Neck, New Jersey. But when I hear the love theme, uh, you know, just randomly, I hear it once <laughs> or twice a year, you know, on a uh, on an elevator or someplace. Yeah. I have my my whole youth kind of flashes before my eyes. Uh, I live, you know, I, you know, you know this, Jeff. I live up in the Monterey, area. right, I live at right. Pebble Beach. And you know, I can remember back before CBS had it, and I've had the blessing of broadcasting that tournament now 31 years, but when I was a kid growing up, ABC had it. So I could, could in some ways kind of attach that love theme to where I live now. You know, mm. kind of like I, I feel it, that whole yeah. when it's first coming on the air and you're seeing these magnificent views of Pebble Beach and you hear the, the love theme. <laughs> and then it would, invariably for that tournament, it would segue into Bing Crosby's straight down the middle. They would uh. use it as kind of a... Theme track for that tournament. Wow. But yeah, it, it, it definitely elicits a, a kind of an emotion out of me. Uh, these openings to how you get on the air, uh, particularly at the Masters, those months in the making, nobody has honestly has ever asked me a question about it. Hmm. Ever asked me about a question? Of, how do these things come about? However, when I'm out at Augusta and I'm walking around on Tuesday after I get in from the Final Four or you know, Wednesday I'm at the practice rounds, you'd be astonished how many people just talking about people who are attending the tournament say, how are you going to get on the air? What, what's the master's mm. opening this year? They, and, and not that they uh, uh, you know, understand, uh, not that you're looking for any awards or glory out of it, but that, that, that they understand that getting on the air is important. or is kind of a creative, if you will, creative release mm. for any broadcaster. I don't know Mike gets so it. He's amazing. And, um, you know, I just to me, uh, I I really more than anything in this business, the thing that impacted me as a kid, wanting to get into business, was listening to these openings to these golf tournaments. Hmm. All
1: right, last thing: uh, what's the state of your golf game? And uh, do you <laughs> have? That you're a man who gets on. You can can play a lot of great golf courses, but I'm curious if there is one uh, you haven't played that you you would you would love to play someday.
3: This is going to be. Uh, uh, Something I've I've, I've I've never said it before, but I've never played St. Andrews. No, I walked wow. that course. Can you believe that? <laughs> wow, I know it. It's hard to believe. Wow. Uh, as much as you there, love that place, I, I, as much as I love wow. it, you know you've seen. I've yes. seen you there, Jeff. And and I've I've gone out there as a as a fan and walked it. At uh, I've been since two thousand. I went to two thousand oh five ten. And fifteen, I went to all the opens, and in ten, uh, I did a little work for the BBC, so I was on the air talking about it. But the other three times I went there as a golf fan, and uh, you know, walked out, walked back in, did it every day, yeah, uh, and, and just was there as a as a fan of St Andrews, the old course, fan of the game. And um, I've often thought about what it'd be like to play it, but I never have.
1: Jim you've read Hard to believe. you've read pieces of I, 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 was it poetry or literature at the grave of old Tom Morris at, at, at midnight you
3: yeah yeah you
1: will you will be in tears. you have yeah. to do the old course it, it will it, it for somebody who who loves the spiritual part of the game I, I mean I'm no you, I'm you. not telling you anything you don't already know, but it it is it, it is everything that you expect and more just knowing your affinity for the sport walking that ground, and, and it'll be hard for you to play because you'll be thinking of all the people who've covered that ground and the things that have happened and the things we don't know that have happened. But oh, I, uh, well, I, I, re- I would love you to
3: get your mind around. I am <laughs> shocked. Yeah, I really <laughs> you described am. described it really well, but let, I'll say this. Uh, I, I get all those feelings just mm. walking it. Oh, yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. No, you uh, do. I do. And okay. like, I, I, I realize now in my, my golf game, and I never answered your question, but uh, it's it's not a it's not a pretty handicap. <laughs> it's double digits now, and
1: um, it happens. It's okay.
3: I you know I, I, hey, it's been thirty uh, what has it been since I showed up at school? Thirty nine years ago next month, and uh, I, I quarreled for a long time with like the ability to go out and play, and feeling like I was going to really not live up to what other people's expectations were of my ability to play. But I've been trying to make a career yeah. and uh, raise a family, and, and, you know, it definitely I didn't have enough talent, obviously, to begin with for it to hold up for, for very long. But I get so much out of the sport out of just being on the fringe of it. And so when I'm telling you I'm walking the old course, and I feel very fulfilled spiritually mm-hmm. you know, you're and all that stuff, and honestly, I am too. I mean, I've gotten a lot of joy and tremendous uh, fulfillment out of walking golf courses and not necessarily playing them. Yeah. And and for me, sitting behind the 18th green 15 times a year or whatever the number might be, and uh, watching these tremendous players, uh, you know, at, with the highest stakes, I've gotten a lot out of the game, you know. Uh, And living it vicariously through them and and just lending a voice to it, but not necessarily playing it. I don't have to play it to really feel like I've uh, experienced the game that nurtures what I need internally. Hmm. I I, I really hope that one day I get to play the old course, but I feel like I've played it a hundred times in my Hmm. mind.
2: Wow. Um, Well, look, I, I have a solution to this. Uh, you're looking for another double-digit handicapper who's never played St. Andrews, it's this guy. Why don't the, the, the three of us, let's make a plan. Let's hook this
1: up. Let's, Shackleford, you know people over there, right? Jim, I know the day. The day after the 2021 Open Championship, I can talk to people. It's uh, I, I completely understand what you say, because you know I love golf architecture, and I I am very fulfilled just walking certain courses and studying them and enjoying them. But I will say I got to play there the day after the Open, and there is something that turf. It's different. Uh, hitting shots off it, imagining some of those shots. It really is the one course that um, that I that I have. I can love walking around and looking at the town and being part of it. But but uh, hitting the shots on it is really something special. But I well, listen, truly get I what have you're a friend saying. Of mine.
3: Remember at Bel Air, you probably have crossed paths with him in LA. His name is Dave Reniker. And okay. He, he's so crazy in love with St. Andrews. He moved there last summer for oh, wow. three months. And he's always said, if he ever hears I played the old course without <laughs> him, he said, you can lose my number. Don't ever, don't ever call me again. So There's here's what I'm proposing now, okay? I'll bring Dave. Uh, if we have, you know, it sounds like we just got three, so we need a fourth. And I'm putting it down on the calendar for the day after. It is, you're right, it goes off the five-year run yep. to 2021. Uh, that Monday, no doubt, I will be there, God willing. And I would love to book it now. I don't even have to go to PGATour.com <laughs> to book it, <laughs> To find a good deal on a tea time. No. i got one right here.
1: Beautiful. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time today and for so many great thoughts, and we wish you the best of luck with the telecast this week at Baltus Roll. And guys. Uh, and yeah, can't wait to and, watch you all weekend.
3: Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it. I hope we can pay a visit again sometime down the road.
1: Most definitely. Thank you, Jim. All the Thanks. best, guys. Thanks.
3: See you now. Bye-bye.
2: Big thanks to Jim Nance. That was really, really terrific. I'd uh, like to take a moment to thank a couple of our sponsors, Shack House Friends. You have heard me talk about me undies. I'm here to talk to you about them again today i uh, they are as I've described in the past, performance wear it is hot, hot, hot here in the DMV I have on my me undies, and the reason I have them on is because they are comfortable and cool and moving with me. They are made from a sustainably sourced modal, a fabric twice as soft as cotton. Nothing can describe the fit and feel of me undies once you try them on, you'll understand. Why they're called the world's most comfortable Joe House add-in and breathable underwear. If you don't love your first pair, they're free, no questions asked. Dozens of styles, limited edition prints, if you're inclined to make a statement with your underwear. Shipping is free in the U.S. and Canada. You can save up to $8 a pair with the MeUndies subscription plan. Get the subscription or a single pair. 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com backslash house. That's MeUndies.com backslash house for 20% off your first order. MeUndies.com backslash H-O-U-S-E. I'd also like to tell you about SeatGeek, my friends. It's the first place I go to when i need tickets to a game or concert here in the dmv i have the app on my phone and it is where i go when i need tickets to see the wonderful washington nationals Everything about SeatGeek designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring you get the best possible deal. This is what I love about SeatGeek. They want to help you get the most bang for your buck. Every ticket is given a grade based on value. I like good grades. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to get the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, Shack House listeners. Get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the app, go to the Settings tab, click Add a Promo Code, and enter promo code HOUSE. H-O-U-S-E. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That is a big help with... All of the price of of concert and sport tickets. 20 bucks is a big help. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code HOUSE today.
1: Uh, HOUSE, it's time for the speed round. Hey! Brought to you by, um, yeah, brought to all of us by Callaway Golf and the new XR driver. We're fast meets forgiveness. Boeing helped make this driver the fastest out there. And Henrik Stenson used it to win the Open Championship. So it's up to us to make this speed round quick House, we are off and running. House, I got to ask you right off the bat: Andrew Beef Johnston, fascinating. Some people just absolutely going nuts over this guy, and there've been some people who don't like him. I don't quite understand it, but you see a little, a little hate out there. You, you, you talk to some people in golf, like uh, who's this, who's this character? And I'm like, really, you're you're bothered by this guy? He's, it's we're so happy to have somebody different. What's your take? I'm right there with you.
2: I, I don't know. Um what kind of person would be a person that wouldn't like uh, a- Andrew Beef Johnson? Obviously, anybody with beef in the name is so up my alley. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was like the most obvious uh, um, guy in my guy that I'm going to back, um, and I was backing him on Sunday. Uh, you know, I wanted him to, to uh, you know play a little bit better than he did. But you know, I'm all about the guy that I can sit down and have a burger and a beer with, and he's held himself out to the golf community, to the media, and to fans as a guy that would sit down and have a burger and beer with pretty much anybody that approached him and wanted to sit, this, you know, uh, just sit down and chop it up a little bit, get into life's uh, complexities, and, and try and sort out the world. Um, he looks like, from every interview that I've seen, his he has sort of a fresh take. He has a proper sense of humor. He's self-deprecating. Um, and and doesn't take himself or the game too seriously. I'm I'm not sure what there is to to, to, to dislike.
1: It may be the presentation. It may be the whole kind of beard and you know uh, just being kind of a little bit schlubby or whatever. I don't know, but uh, I, I have caught it. And then there, of course you get some people who are just like, geez, now all of a sudden he's uh, he's everywhere. And well, he's enjoying his moment. And maybe it's just a moment. Maybe he'll be around for 15 years. Who knows? But I. I think it's just fun to have a different looking and acting character in the game. So Yeah, that makes, um, that
2: makes two of us. Oh, well. Well, speaking of, of different, yeah. uh, there was some news about the Euro Tour uh, considering some innovation in terms of uh, oh. country-to-country competition, <laughs> a six-hole kind of, of uh, matchup. Did you see that story?
1: Oh yeah, I blogged about it and uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating story. Uh, So they did a video, a viral video attempt, the European Tour earlier this year, House, where they got four guys from some different countries and they tried to set the world record for for playing the fastest hole. And it was actually, I, I don't Pay attention to all of those attempts at the the uh, the virility or I don't know what the (laughs) the marketing people call it. But this one was really good, and it was fun. And you you watched. You went, you know, that was kind of cool. They had to have a little teamwork. They had a little uh, some athleticism. And I have a feeling that the commish, the chief executive of the European Tour, Keith Pelly, saw that and went, "Hmm, I think we can make a tournament out of this." And so he floated it to the Daily Mail that that uh, this was uh, this little the six hole team match concepts with shot clocks and, and uh, the music playing sounds a little bit lame, but it's a little I'm contrived. I'm all for it. I think it's yeah, a little contrived. The music that's where they always go over the top. But I, I kind of like the idea that he wants to try it, and I don't feel like it's something that will in any way be a negative. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Uh, I guess the only negative is somebody gets hurt, <laughs> sprains an ankle running from shot to shot or something. But uh, I, I urge people to check it out. I think I linked to it on uh, my blog. But uh, did you uh, did did you watch that video? Did you have any take on kind of where he's going with this?
2: So I did watch the video. I was all in on the video. I love um, the the uh, innovation. I thought it was a really neat idea. I, it was uh, impressive to see the quality of shot. You know, they played a par four in the, in the video you're describing that went viral and went country to country. The, um, even with the good drives that the guys, they chose to hit drives. Um, they all hit the the fairway, obviously, but they, that that left the guys hitting iron, um, 200 or 200 plus in. And three of the four guys were either on the green or right, right off. The only one that didn't hit the green was Sergio, who hit it in the water.
1: <clears throat> yeah. He was rushed a little. <laughs> my my ball-spike-striking well, guru. Yeah. So if they do it with match play, it could be kind of wild. I don't know. I I think it's worth – it's interesting on many levels, but, but – it could not work, but the idea that he's trying to throw this out there. Now, some people in Canada have mentioned he tried some things with hockey that, that didn't go very well, and that's why he's now working for the European Tour. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, it, it also kind of sets up this great little duel between the European Tour and the PGA Tour because, of course, Tim Fincher would never even think of doing something like this. I mean, he did advocate match play, but that's about as far as he'll go. Well, uh, I a- mentioned Stymie's. Uh, it's kind of weird. We, we had a couple of
3: we
2: had a nice moment of um, made for TV events, you know, where they were playing under the lights. It was Tiger, yeah. you know, getting Tiger yeah. into prime time, um, and playing some match play, you know, some selected match play. And we haven't had anything interesting like that in in, in a while here in the U.S. Yeah. So that's what particularly um, caught my fancy about this Euro concept plus the country versus country angle is always a good one. Uh yeah. it was funny they, they they the Spain versus France part of of the video that went viral yeah. was was a was a good for a hoot.
1: Yeah, I think pretty much the entire concept came from that that stunt which is which will be fascinating to find out if that is in fact how it all came about. But uh we haven't done this very speedily, but it's a fun topic. I think it's worth checking out. Um house last thing, I got to name drop a bunch of golf courses last week and uh, you've been teeing it up a little bit taking your your uh, apex blacks out on the golf course into that uh it, it's a fact nice uh, summer weather
2: we're we, exactly we're now kind of at the point in this in the season here uh where folks uh, are able to get some time off of work um and and we're in prime vacation season so it's easier for me to catch up with Buddies uh, and and connect. I do this annual golf trip down to Richmond. Um, I have a pal from the DC area. That moved down there a handful of years ago. He's originally from, from Richmond. Richmond is a hidden gem for um, f- folks who, who love golf and love food. Hmm. So I went down, uh, oh. I, I, I had this this trip that I do in, in 24 hours. We get 45 holes of golf in. I was lucky enough to get on the, the Kinlock Golf Club um, on this one, which is a really premier uh, and special club yeah. down in, in, just outside the Richmond area. And uh, it's a Absolutely beautiful facility. It's a it's a golf only club. You walk in uh, and and immediately um, you know the, the combination of how friendly everybody is but just visually um, there's a beautiful practice facility that's located very proximate to the clubhouse it's not a kind of club where you have to get in a cart and drive to go practice you basically walk out the side door and you're um, able to immediately get into a chipping or putting and then I always like a practice facility that allows me to work on 70 yard to 90 yard shots and they have a lot of different ways you can do that, buckets of balls set up lots of different angles, that that whole kind of thing, it's a beautiful parkland course um, that I enjoyed because I used every single club in my bag. A lot of split fairway kind of thing at Kinloch and... Um, you know, there was uh, quite a bit of, of strategy, me and two pals who had never played there before. We had a lot of um, long conversations with the caddies, two great um, young guys, uh, recent grads from college, um, who, you know, were willing to indulge all the questions we had. Um, but we had just a, a, a wonderful day nice. down there at Kinlock. notwithstanding the fact that it was 98 nice. degrees. So yeah, uh, yeah and then that's, uh, we, we, that's rough. We played the Independence Golf Club the next day, which is a public, uh, open to the public, and another beautiful facility with a beautiful practice um, area right off the uh, the back of the clubhouse and um, another sort of parkland style. Very generous off the tee. I I stopped hitting driver because I uh, woke up in the morning with driveritis. Um, couldn't, no. couldn't get off the Uh-oh. tee with Driver. But I was getting off the tee with my three-wood, and uh, I managed to scrabble around and, and put together a respectable round in the mid-'80s and um, did not have to come out of pocket on a whole bunch of, of lost skins. So it was a great um, trip, uh, and I highly recommend Richmond. We w- I have been lucky mm. enough to play a bunch of um, clubs down there and, and – public joints, um, if you're looking for a a lower, a reasonably priced destination, and Richmond um, is not that far from, from D.C. You just have to navigate the 95 corridor a little bit. Um... And you want uh, a place to, where you can sample a whole bunch of golf near the city and get in first. So Richmond has a great um, food scene. I, I, I didn't know until I started going down there. We go to this place, uh, this um, Mediterranean-flavored uh, place called Stella's, and I try to order the whole menu every time we go in there, um, and it's just, <laughs> just have a, a, a great time of it. So uh, Richmond Golf. I, I I promise that the so, Chamber of Commerce of Richmond did not um, put any uh,
1: greenbacks yeah, in my back pocket. I just chamber. had a great time down there. That's all. Well, maybe they'll become an advertiser. Nice work. That uh, that sounds like a great place to go in the fall. I'm taking a little bit of. I'm feeling leaf changing kind of. I think it would be absolutely beautiful then.
2: I think that's exactly right. Mm, it, it was okay. a little warm this weekend, but you know, you do it when you can do it when you get your buddies we'll, available. Uh,
1: Will you be posting anything on uh, your website, uh, p- perhaps at some point, about that Richmond food scene that we could, you know, motivate you to do? Was that I'd be happy to do that.
2: That's a great idea. Um, okay. I've been to probably like a half dozen. I don't know. I don't have nearly the depth of experience in, down in Richmond. Well, no. But I can do six or eight or ten recommended okay. places um, in Richmond to get uh, yeah. a, a great meal for sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that.
1: Okay, it's a great idea. Yeah, throw in a little golf mention there too. Why for not? Your, Why for not? your fans? Absolutely. All right, Housewell, I think we've covered about everything. Uh, We sure thank Jim Nance again for for joining us. And, of course, uh, uh, this being uh, a show that's going to launch a little later than normal, we apologize to everybody, but we we wanted to have this great opportunity to to speak to an iconic broadcaster. And uh, he's very busy with the major schedule this week, so it was great for him to join us. Um, We are going to put up a few things here on Twitter, uh, pick-wise, and... uh, it's going to be a, a swell and sweltering PGA Championship House. So we uh, will sit back and watch it, and we will be back next Monday with a quick recap. So we will be uh, making it a quick turnaround. And uh, as always, we thank our friends at uh, The Ringer, at Callaway, and uh, of course, you can find us at uh, Jeff Shack on Twitter and House from DC on Twitter. House, you got anything else? Just just one thing, Jeff, and that is Shack Oh, come on. And again, thank you to our great friends at Callaway. They are the makers of the Team Callaway Collection. It's a limited run of meticulously curated Callaway and Odyssey branded items that you can only find on CallawayGolf.com. New items are now available in the 2016 Team Callaway Collection, including... My favorite, the Odyssey Works silver swirl tie, a new XR16 zip-up hoodie, and don't forget about the Stripe Show t-shirt. Visit CallawayGolf.com slash Team Callaway Collection to shop now. Use promo code HOUSE. Why do you always get all the promo codes, HOUSE? <laughs> HOUSE, all caps, in your shopping cart to get 20% off. Shack's easy to spell. Anyway, offer expires on July 31st, so get to CallawayGolf.com slash Team Callaway